0: Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you.
1: It's a pretty epic video, isn't it? (laughs) Great to see you guys. How good has this new series been? This is my story. We kicked it off last Sunday. There's still time to catch up if you missed last Sunday, but we're going to hear another story in just a few moments, but I'm going to kick off with just five minutes max of why each of your stories is so important and why we must tell our stories. So three things. Number one, you encourage each other by sharing your story. The Bible says this in Hebrews, discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works and expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently Eager to encourage and urge each other onwards. And I don't know about you, but when I hear people's stories, I am encouraged and it pushes me onwards. Just the last few weeks, say, um online Easter Sunday, we heard Henry Comfort's story. That encouraged me. Yeah, come on, Henry Comfort's great guy. If you don't know Henry, get to know Henry. But that encouraged me to be like, yeah, come on, there is more to be done in our world. Maybe it's the NHS heroes when we did our Bless the NHS campaign. Yeah, come on, NHS heroes. <laughs> but hearing people who... They are using their gifts, they are using what God has given them, and they are sharing something of the love of Christ. In awful situations this year, they encourage me, they push me on. And sometimes I'm sat in this room in worship or stood in this room, and I just look around the room, and I remember stories. Actually, this morning, I dropped our little three-year-old off at kids' church, and he ran off to play with someone who I remember that person's mum, because we had kids at similar time, being told, you will never have children. And I remember standing and praying with them as a family. And this morning, their child is in kids' church. And those stories, they encourage me to be like, come on, there is more. There is more for us to do. We encourage one another by telling our stories. Secondly, our stories speak to those who do not know Jesus. I love this in Matthew 5, in the message Um paraphrase it says here's another way to put it you are here to be light bringing out the god colors in the world god is not a secret to be kept but we are going public with this as public as a city on a hill and if i make you light bearers don't think that i am going to hide you under a bucket because i'm putting you on a light stand and now that i've put you on a hilltop on a light stand shine Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening it up with others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And I don't know about you, but do you ever, (laughs) every now and again, I kind of go on holiday or I'll do something and then I'll see someone who I don't know super well and they're like oh it looks like you had a lovely holiday or um, oh you had a great weekend didn't you and I'm like how do they know (laughs) but I forget sometimes what I put on my social media say I put a picture up and then I'm like creeped out because I'm putting so much up there I'm like how do these people know but we're obviously connected on the amazing online world and all of that But you know, people are watching on and sometimes people that we have no idea, they are watching the goodness of God on your life. So by telling our story, there are people who need to hear it. I love that. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God. And maybe you're listening to my voice today. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're in the room and you're not in relationship with Jesus. Well, I want to tell you that you know, God knows your story. God knows your story. And, you know, you um, just have to say yes almost to God. And and it is truly, I believe, because when I did it, it changed my whole story, that decision. That was the greatest thing I could have done is say, yeah, I want to come in fully into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so at the end of the interview, Josh is going to jump back up and he's going to give an opportunity to anyone who might want to make that decision today. And lastly, point number three, Our suffering gives us an opportunity to share our story. Philippians 1, this is Paul talking about his imprisonment. It says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered me, but it has helped my ministry in preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. What has happened to me has not hindered me, but it's helped causing the gospel to expand and spread. And you know, now more than ever, our world needs hope daily doesn't it we need hope we need a church that decides you know what happens to me it's not going to hinder me no because my god is better than that and suffering will just be another page almost in god's amazing story and so we go from strength to strength and so i want to encourage you before we lean in and listen to this story this morning that you every single person hearing my voice. You know, you have got an incredible story and we need to be those that are bold in telling our story because it really does help others open up with God and it will spur one another on in that. And so today, take a look at the screen. We are going to hear the story of an amazing guy within our C3 family called Tim Pilkington.
0: Well, welcome to This Is My Story, week two. We have with us today, uh, Tim Pilkington. And you're going to get to know him a little as we ask him a number of questions. So welcome, Tim Pilkington. First question is, are you related to Pilkington Glass in any way? I'm not related to
2: Pilkington Glass in any way, so that's a short one for you. Well, we not are? what i found. All right, well. Keep, we'll keep digging.
0: Um, keep going, <laughs> you know what keep looking. You know I mean. A few weeks ago, uh, Tim, you, you shared at Easter your faith your story. Um, just give us a, a quick recap on that and what difference that has made in your life's journey.
2: Wow, it's a, I'll do a quick recap for you. Yeah. So I grew up around Cambridge,
0: here in Cambridge. Um, Christian family,
2: three sisters, um, they all kind of found their faith quite young. They didn't seem to have any challenges with it, whereas I was a bit different. I, I guess one of the themes of my life is I like asking questions. and mm-hmm. So I asked a lot of questions and then came to my own conclusions that I didn't believe in God when I was in my early teens and sort of... Wandered off in my own way. Um, but kind of keeping the peace at home, I kind of agreed to keep going to a Christian mm. youth group but not at the church where my parents were because that was just too embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then actually, thanks to someone who was my youth group leader, he kind of persisted with me. And it was actually just around the corner from here on Mill Road. Mm-hmm. One evening, he invited me around to the flat he was staying in and so said, was chatting with me and sort of drilling me a bit and saying, you know, what do you really think about yeah. this, Tim? And, you know, through his, I guess, investment in me and I guess God not wanting to let me off the hook Mm. I kind of became a Christian and that was uh, that's the moment where I would say my life kind of changed direction, it was uh, a really important moment and then ever since it's been like working through what does that mean and that's a Mm. journey you don't ever get to the end of this side of heaven I don't think. You know it's just been a constant journey of sort of exploring what does it really mean to be a
0: Christian putting God first, Yeah, you
2: know, and I guess that's, that's the journey I've been on ever
0: since. Mm. So you, you mentioned your parents were Christians and, yeah. and I know your dad passed away yeah. not too long ago and that's sad and sorry for that. But I met him a few times you um he came to C3 and I was always struck by his sense of godliness. I've always been struck by your sense of honor of him as well, if oh, I may you. just say that. Mm. But obviously they did something right to not put you off God and church.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you always look back, and I think I appreciate my parents for what they did in that respect a lot more now, mm. probably than I did when I was 13 and 14 and disagreeing with them about nice, it. Yeah. That, that was kind of... They weren't they were easy times all the time, but I just appreciate my parents because they did set an example to me. They, mm. they believed in... Well, they, they, they believed in a God of love, and they wanted other people to know that. Nice. So all the way through my life, we would always have sort of... Um, Bible study groups at our house, and we'd be inviting people over for lunch. And it was all with an agenda of, my my parents would read the Bible with basically anybody, you know, and that's what they wanted to do. And so they set that tone in my life of actually, you know, they had this thing and they wanted to share it with others. They didn't want to just keep it to themselves. And that was a really important thing to them. And the other thing I I really got to appreciate with my dad in the later years was just his his faithfulness in prayer was unbelievable, you know. um, as you say, he was ill for quite a while, and about two yeah. years ago, he was in a hospice, and we didn't think he was going to get out of there. And I used to go in and um, visit him, and he, he had this pack of prayer cards yeah. with a little bulldog clip round it, which had the names of all of us kids and all the people he prayed yeah. for. Yeah. And he just used to work his way through them yeah. and pray yeah. for things every yeah. day. Yeah. And even when he was at his most weak, you know, he was lying in this hospice, and you know, we we all thought he was going to die fairly imminently, and he, he got better that time, but. Um, he, when he was so weak, he knew his prayers were mm. powerful. Beautiful. You know, he knew his prayers were powerful and he believed yeah. that he was impacting the world from yeah. that mm. bed that he couldn't get out of.
0: That's yeah. Great.
2: You know, and, and so I think I learned a lot from my parents back then, but that I was still learning from them all the way yeah, through sure. with
0: the example they set for mm. me. It kind of comes really home, doesn't it, how we're living in the good of those prayers. Absolutely, and, and I miss those. I know that he prayed for me every day. Mm. Yeah. So when my dad died, I, I lost that
2: person yeah. praying for me every day. Yeah. 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 I, I do feel that for sure. Yeah, mm. I understand. That.
3: Mm. Tell us a little bit about your family, You're obviously married
2: to Gail, married and tell to Gail. us how you met
3: and family. We, <laughs> <Go for laughs>
2: we met at university, so kind of Loughborough University, anybody out there Loughborough, go Loughborough. <laughs> I've got my purple top on, so
3: yeah. still Loughborough
2: purple, but yeah, know we met at university and um, she was, I, I used to go into a certain hall of residence for my lunch but I was living in town and Gail was in that hall of residence and we kind of got to see each other. And then I used to do some... I didn't go to the Christian Union University because that, that met on a Wednesday when I was always playing sport. Mm-hmm. But I got involved with some people, a group called the Navigators that did yes. Bible studies. Yeah. And there was um, a couple there who were, were kind of not students anymore, but they host some student mm. Bible studies. And um, I used to do those, and then Gail started coming along to those, and we okay. kind of started studying the Bible together. And, then, mm. and we're really good friends, and about three weeks before the end of the university, we kind of said, well, you know... You know, we're either leaving and we're never no, going to see each other bit. again or not. And um, I think we, we kind of decided, or Gail convinced me, that we should, um, <laughs> we should try going out, and she was oh, quite right. OK.
3: So was there a romantic proposal that happened uh, at some
0: point? No. <laughs> no? No, not really. No. <laughs> OK. All right, we'll move on. Oh, okay.
3: we'll, we'll, we'll move, we'll move on. Right. Sorry. sorry about that, Gail.
0: What would Gail say are your greatest strengths?
2: Oh, wow, what would she say are my greatest strengths? I think she would say, well, I actually asked her about this and the words has gone out of my head. It began with D and it wasn't determined. I can't remember. But it was <laughs> what, what I took away from it. Dedicated. <laughs> dedicated. Ah, dedicated. dedicated. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'll ask her So I, I knew you were yeah. going to ask me that question. Yeah, yeah. So I'll ask her. And, um, dedicated. And I think that when I said, why did you say that? And she said, because you if you're doing things, you dedicate yourself to them. You mm. kind of dedicate yourself to your family, mm. you dedicate yourself to your faith, and if you do things, a word I use about myself is i try mm. trying to be wholehearted about things. Yeah. I want to be in, I don't, I don't want to um, be half-hearted or mm. just on the fringe of things. If so I'm doing something, I'm doing it properly. Yeah. So I think she'd use that word to describe me, and I think she'd probably also say mm. um, sense of humour. So right. we we'll probably do laugh together quite a lot, and I'm oh, probably saying good. the same about her. <laughs> Yeah, I
3: was going to say, what do you admire most about Gail? What Gail, I, best friends,
2: think? I, th- I think she's really tenacious. Mm. I admire that in her.
3: Mm.
2: You know, she, she's had her own story, which is for her to tell, but I think mm. she's a very tenacious person, and I, I, I admire people who set their, their mind on things, and mm. they can overcome things, and they, they sort of don't, they don't allow other people's views to limit yeah. them. They kind okay. of say, well, I think I can, so... I'll i'll Mm. have a go at that Mm. and i think that's what i probably admire about her most very good good. right and the fact she can part with me (laughs) that's
3: (laughs) going to be a good thing (laughs) so i would say that you know gail has maybe pioneered some things in in her life at a time with within Mm. leadership and and for women in leadership i feel that you have a you know particular you're encouraging women in leadership. Yeah. I always felt that for me personally, that you encourage me in my leadership. You see us you know, together with, in the church, leading together, and um, you've always been encouraging in that. So, is that important to you? And how would you see that men can help women in their leadership journey, if you feel they needs to support in some way? Yeah,
2: I, I, it is important to me, but I, th- I think it's become increasingly important to me, because as I was growing up, I think I grew up in a family where it was supposed that was normal. Mm. You know, my mother was a very forthright person, almost formidable person. Mm. And my aunt was actually a, a sort of Christian feminist who wrote on this subject. So okay. for, for me, it was just normal that mm. the women could do wh- whatever they felt called to, you know, it was, right. it was never yeah. a debate. And then I, I, I think it's only really been in the last sort of 15 years that I've really mm. bumped into things where people have said, well, no, maybe you can't. <laughs> and I thought, well, well why? Okay. And it kind of, it's something that at its heart, it feels wrong, but I've kind of really pressed into why does it feel wrong? And for me, there's something where we're all creating God's image. And if, if we start saying to people based on, you know, whether it's your gender or your colour or anything, that we limit your potential mm. when you're one of God's beloved children, we've got to be really careful. Yeah. Now, that just feels wrong. I don't believe mm. in a God who wants to limit people. Mm. You know, he he wants people to be able to step forward and have life in all its fullness and fulfil their potential. So when I see things like that, I guess it... ..it kind of upsets me, actually. Mm. And it's something I personally haven't had to deal with. I've had every advantage in life, really. You know, but it kind of... I've got three sisters and I've got a daughter and I've got a wife. Mm -hmm. And so the the issue of women is being very present for me. Mm -hmm. But, um... I, th- I think I feel similarly about sort of all forms where people don't have the opportunity right. to sort of reach their potential. Okay. That, that kind of upsets me greatly. Yeah. And I, I guess some of what I've done with my career as well has been kind of got involved with trying to say, how yeah. can we make sure people have opportunities? Mm. Um, how do we sort of... I'm not saying everybody can achieve the same things, but yeah. I want there to be more equality in the opportunity to, yeah. to achieve what people can achieve. Yeah. Um, and as men, I, th- I, th- I think we need to listen to women. <laughs> mm. A lot of the time, that's what I learned at Shell. I did quite a lot about diversity when I worked there. And, and I guess my journey there started with, you know, I had a load of assumptions, some of which were right, a lot of which were completely wrong. And it starts by listening. Right. I'm just saying, that, it, 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 help me understand. You know, mm. I, I've got this view of the world, but it comes from my experiences, my view of the world. Right. And, and the only way I can really start to try and help to the extent I I can help is by by start by understanding the view Mm. from the different perspectives and then just asking, how can I help? Mm -hmm. Um, But trying to encourage people as well, I think Mm. that's really important. I'm glad you've felt Mm. encouraged, Andrew, that's really important to me, actually. Um, But yeah, assuming you know the answers for people probably doesn't help. I think you've got to start with a spirit of curiosity and and seeking to understand and uh, then offering, well, what can I do to help? Okay.
3: And are there examples that you 've had in the workplace that you 've done that we 're talking you 've been in charity and you 've been in yeah. business world haven 't you how has that how it worked with your faith and in your passion in that way
2: so, so particularly in the area of diversity, I think it, you can get to some really concrete things so um, as shell it was kind of a, it, it 's a secular organization obviously, mm. but we we had an aspiration in finance that we were going to get to fifty, fifty male and female in the top right. leadership areas by yeah by 2023, and this must have been in about 2011 or something like that, so I was still there.
3: Yeah.
2: And um, so I did some analysis and pointed out to them, with well, the length of time people stayed there, that would mean that even if they appointed everybody, every time a vacancy came up at that level, you appointed a female into it, you wouldn't get there. Really? <laughs> so, you, yeah. know, you know, you can set these targets. so yeah. yeah. You, 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 so that, and, then, and then you get into, well, OK, so what, what, what can you do? Is it hopeless? Well, no, it's not hopeless, but you have to be realistic about what you can do mm-hmm. and move it forward. And then uh, World Vision, I think, you know, I, I did some things well. I think after, just after I left World Vision a year ago, a lot of the stuff about Black Lives Matter blew up. Mm-hmm. And that really challenged me And thinking, you know, mm-hmm. did I do enough in that space? I'd probably done a bit okay. more on gender than I'd done on ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And that, that really, really challenged me. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think we exchanged some emails at times. Mm-hmm. We did, and, yeah. You know, wow, you know, it's quite humbling because I was in a mm-hmm. position of leadership there. And I really felt... I don't think I can look myself in the mirror and say that I was, I was proactive enough in that space.
0: Okay. So you you, know. You've alluded to two things which are obviously important to your time in Shell and your time in Well Vision. Tell us what you did in those places and oh, yeah. how, how you got there. You, we kind of jumped to. Yeah, sorry about kind of jumping no, around. That's
2: that's my way. Sorry. Apologies. So yeah, so Shell was. Um, so I started out as a teacher. And I guess that's an important part of my story yeah. is because I think that was. Um, that was where my, my sort of real desire for young people to have opportunities started mm. back in the teaching. Was phase. that in science?
0: It was maths, maths and sports maths. science.
2: So I was a sport teacher. I, oh, it, wow. I was a Loughborough sports student. Mm. Right. A bit of maths as well. So, yeah, so I started life as a teacher, but then I moved into accountancy and kind of worked through Arthur Anderson and Queen's Moat but then ended up at Shell, which was a, a fascinating organisation to work for. It's kind of, um, I'd been the head of tax at an organisation called Queen's Moat Houses, which was a reasonably big hotel company. but it wasn't huge, mm. and when I left there, I thought, "I want to go to the biggest, most complicated organisation <laughs> I can find, you know, and really find out how, you know, big yeah, organisations right. right. yeah. um, operate and how they do this." Um, so I got the chance to go to Shell, which was just amazing. Um, but yeah, I ended up becoming the head of upstream tax. That's where you go and find the oil and gas and get right. out of the ground. You explore for it, then you get out of the ground. Um, but it was interesting because. Even in an organisation, people say, how can you be a Christian in an organisation like Shell? And it's actually, mm. there's loads of people with great values and great principles there. And you can influence things from there. So there, one of the things I'm proud of, which still carries on today, is we, we started off things around tax transparency and saying, you know, okay. how can corporates actually be more transparent about the mm. amounts of tax they pay? And in Shell, mm. that was huge sums of money. The, yeah. the tax charge I oversaw was about $20 billion a year yeah. back okay. when the tax oil price was high. <laughs> and actually where you're paying that, and being transparent about who you're paying it to, so they can... Well, we can be held to account for, mm. is that the right amount? You know, does that look right? And also the people you give it to, that tax, mm. what are they spending it on? <laughs> you know, if people, if people don't know you've paid it, how, how are people held to account? And Shell just recently is uh, I think they're by far the most transparent mm. company from that perspective even now, and I, right. I like to think I played a part in that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, yeah. you can still be influential mm-hmm. in... In business, and I, I think that there, sometimes we can overly emphasise sort of mission work, mm. but we need Christians in business. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a firm, yeah. firm believer in that. Yeah, isn't yeah. where I've, my next job was World Vision, so I kind of left from Shell to World Vision, and World Vision is an international Christian children's charity. Mm. And you can think, well, how did that happen? And that was that was an interesting one. I remember um, I helped out with More Than Gold, which was the Christian outreach of the Olympic Games in 2012. Yeah. So I did a bit of work on that. And then at the end of that, I was, I was chatting with my kids, actually, and they were kind of going, Dad, you enjoy that way more than you enjoy working at Shell. <laughs> <laughs> you always tell us to do what you're passionate about, and you're not. Mm. You know, when your 11 and 13-year-olds start calling you out, wow. it's quite humbling. Mm. You yeah. Wow, what sort of role model am I to my yeah. own So that children? was the
0: catalyst for you changing. Yeah, it was
2: part of the catalyst for me changing. Yeah. I, guess, I guess I was thinking about it as well, but actually your children saying to you, and holding the mirror up, saying, "You know, you're obviously good at this, Dad. You know, <laughs> but you're obviously good at what you do at Shell, but you, know, right. you, you clearly you enjoy that, you enjoy more. that mm. more. So, so what, why why are you doing this? Why not that? <laughs> you know, so that was part of the journey to World Vision. And I guess for me, it got back to World Vision was all about some of the most disadvantaged young people in the world yeah. having opportunities. Mm-hmm. And with you know, my background in teaching and travelling the world with Shell, I was very privileged. I got to see an awful lot of countries." But you got to see an awful lot of quite tough countries mm. and you got to see um, some of the inequality and mm. the root causes of poverty. And then the opportunity to go to a charity that's kind of trying mm. to address that and give children
0: Great. a chance yeah. across the world was just mm. an amazing thing. So, mm. so see, going well, there was brilliant. Once you'd finished with World well Vision, you're now with, who is it? Was the name of the organization? Good, Good Faith Good partners Faith. So,
2: they're, they're more of a commercial organization. So, when I left World well Vision, I didn't really know what I was going to do, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I, I just felt God saying to me, get involved with what I'm doing now. And I got involved with the Your Neighbour thing, which yeah. C3 very kindly supports as well, which was trying to mobilise churches, particularly in their response to the COVID. Um, but that was founded by an organisation called the Good Faith Partnerships. They, have, they, do, they kind of incubate charities like Your Neighbour mm-hmm. is one of the things we do. And then we do social consultancy in particular. But it's, that's a commercial business where we try and work the intersections between faith, politics businesses NGOs and is that
0: faith in a broader sense not just the christian faith or yeah. is it...
2: so good faith a bit of a double entendre i guess in some ways and it's um we like to act in good faith yeah mm. you know but we have most people who work at good faith will have a faith right. but they won't all be christian right you know and um and yeah and, the, and therefore the the complexity and the opportunity of bringing together mm. people of different faiths to say how can we make a difference in the world mm-hmm. and doing that in a way that never tries to say we agree about everything because mm-hmm. we clearly fundamentally disagree about some quite <laughs> important things and we never try to hide from that but still saying we can come together yes. and the world is a better place when we come together and try and okay. make the world a better place together mm-hmm. we can do that and so, uh, i really enjoy that side of
0: things so having worked in shell um, for many years come to a senior position then world vision of good faith and then seconded, I guess you were, to helping with your neighbour, are the things that you would describe that are a very, carryover carry over into all areas, what's the difference working in that commercial kind of context yeah. and then into more charitable, particularly World Vision and now?
2: Oh, some things stay the same, I think you can use any position, you have some influence, you have people you're working with, you can try and make a difference from it, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have to be in a, a Christian organisation or a cause-led organisation to be able to do that. But I, I think, I, I tell this story a bit, but when, when I got to World Vision when I became CEO there, when we were, at, sorry, when, when I was at World Vision, yeah, at Shell we used to, we really admired the Olympic rowing team, the British Olympic mm. rowing team. We looked at the accumulation of sort of marginal gains, it's what the British mm. cycling team did as well, and we used to compare ourselves to the rowing team to say, you know, we've got to train, we've got to become physically fit ourselves, mm. we've got to build the best boats we've got to have singular folks, we've got to pull together because the boat doesn't go through the water well unless mm. you all pull at the same time. Mm. So we use the metaphor of being in a, a rowboat quite a lot. And when I got to World Vision and I became CEO there, one of, I, I tried to apply a lot of the same stuff and I think a lot of it worked, but after a while I realised I was trying to row a sailboat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was the difference. Mm. In a Christian organisation, you still try and do all those things, but organisationally... You're trying to catch the wind of where God wants you to mm. blow. Yeah, yeah. You're not trying yeah. to just power this thing by yourself, by pulling together as a, mm. a team of people. You're, you're trying to catch the wind. Mm. And you're trying to discern yeah. what God's calling you to. Mm. And that is a... That, I don't know if it makes sense, the metaphor, but it's a different thing, organisation. If you're leading a Christian yeah. organisation, yeah. it's different. Yeah. and And you do some things where you just say, we just don't know if this is going to work but we believe this is what god's calling us to mm-hmm. and sometimes you just make those calls you try mm-hmm. not to be reckless
3: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. but
2: if you think that's where god's taking you it is you know it's unwise not to try and yeah. <laughs> try and follow it yeah. to some extent whereas yeah. when you're in a more commercial organization that's driven by bottom lines there's probably less space for that and you, there's far more sort of the sort of logical pros and cons mm-hmm. analysis financial analysis you, i think you have to bring the the rigor of well, that into a christian yeah, organisation yeah. none of that's wrong yeah but ultimately there is a different thing sure, that you do. yeah. you're doing yeah. you're not
0: following prophet you're following god
3: yeah
0: and there is yeah. a difference organizationally for sure mm.
3: Mm.
0: slight slight change of, of tack but it could be related what's the worst thing anyone's ever said to you <laughs> oh
2: dear um that that i think for me as i was thinking about that that those are the things that kind of um affect your self image. Mm. You know, mm. and th- th- a lot of those are things that are probably go back to your childhood, aren't they? Mm. So I remember there were things like, um, i still got it, I've got my, my report from my art teacher at the end of my <laughs> year nine, and it just says, Tim has a rather obvious lack of talent.
3: Aww. That's
2: all it said, you Aww. know, <laughs> but you know, it, it was true <laughs> yeah. in some ways. But what I, what I internalised sure. from that is, Tim, you're not creative, mm. yeah. you know, and that, that was part of the story yeah. I started telling myself, which wasn't true. Mm. Now that isn't what God says about me. God, yeah. God is a creative God. I'm made in God's image. I am creative. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I started believing I wasn't creative and I mm-hmm. think that's something I still sort of, I don't battle with, but I have to be careful of even mm-hmm. now. I, my self-identity even now is, I'm, well, Tim, you're not a very creative person. Mm.
4: Mm.
0: That isn't what God says about me. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely.
2: You know, and, the, and some other things that I guess go back to, to I think that people sometimes thought I was lazy, which man, maybe I was a little bit, <laughs> but, but I was dyslexic. Mm. You know, so people thought in certain lessons I was just lazy, whereas actually, what we found out later was yeah, I had a learning struggling. disability. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so I wasn't lazy, but mm. I think that I'm quite a driven person now, and some of that drivenness comes from a sense of trying to prove I'm not lazy at times. Mm. And again, that's not a good reason to, no, uh-huh. to be driven yeah. and strive. Yeah. You know, so some of these things, I think the things, that, the worst things, effect. probably aren't the things people said, because 101 things are said which you don't internalise. Mm-hmm. But somehow, if you internalise some of these things and they, mm-hmm. they affect your story and yeah. you start yeah. believing yeah. they're true, yeah. Yeah. then it leaves you a bit of work to do. And I think what, yeah. what mm-hmm. God does is, we were talking earlier, kind of, he restories us. Yes. Yeah. So you can take those things and say, actually, Tim, you can, that whenever you start playing that tape saying, I'm not very creative or actually I, you know, I can tend to slack off or be mm-hmm. lazy... Or, you know, sometimes I'm striving. You say, why, why are you working so hard? You, you don't have to do that to prove mm. that. Mm. Mm. And, and you can be aware that what God says about us yeah. can change those stories yeah, and yeah. you can leave those yeah. things yeah. behind. Yeah. And, you know, they are They get hardwired in us and we, we need to constantly remind ourselves. But I think yeah. Yeah. Mm. those things are really important to kind Absolutely. of like, mm. let right. God do his work with
3: us. Yeah. Would you say there's uh, somebody that you'd like to say sorry to in life?
2: It's an interesting one, isn't it? Anybody I've had that effect to, unknowingly. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm sure that there'll be people, like probably my own kids. Right. You know, at times I've said things to them that I'm sure they carry. So Ella and Jamie, if you're <laughs> watching, <laughs> sorry. Um, and then it's kind of the, the people you can't say sorry to now, isn't it? Mm. So my mum and dad, you, know, you always mm. have some regrets in things, mm. in your relationship with your parents, probably. And for me, probably my, the biggest regret I have is my parents went away when I was 18 because my dad was evacuated in the war to some people in America Mm. and they went on a big family trip and it mattered a lot to my dad that he was going back to visit the people he was evacuated to Mm. Um, and I just put my foot down and said I'm not coming Mm. you know and I felt like an outsider in the family I said Mm. you know they were Christians I wasn't you know and I said if I come we'll just end up having Mm. disagreements Mm. this isn't Mm. worth it and um you know, my dad and I have talked that through, but it's, it's mm-hmm. yeah, one of my regrets in life. Mm-hmm. Was you know that moment where he wanted to have his family yeah. go and visit the family that had looked after him for mm-hmm. those years, yeah. but I didn't give him that moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, that's yeah. a regret for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, 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 thanks for that yeah. openness and honesty. Um, mm-hmm. That's what's endearing to you. We've always appreciated your your vulnerability and your transparency, and everything. Yeah, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. We're glad you're part of the C three family, you and Gail. Uh, we're glad you joined us what was it maybe we make this the last question or there's something else Angie can think of but what was it that attracted you to c3 and uh, to become part of the family
2: it's it, it's a long story i guess in some ways but I'll do, I'll do a short one i mean the short version is it is because i believe in what c3 is trying to do I think you're trying to what's it reach and shape a generation mm. with the message and cause of Christ. Oh, there that's that's it, it. you got no, it. No, I'm, I'm on message. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you don't just say that; you actually yeah. try and do it. Yeah. You know, and I want to be part of somewhere that does is trying to do that. One of the mm. things I have found in my life is, I like to be. I like to be with other people doing things. I don't want to go off on my own and do mm. things. There's a, there's yeah. a quote which Brene Brown has in one of her books called Daring Greatly, and it's a Theodore Roosevelt quote, mm. and that's about the man in the arena, and he's kind of up mm. there, and he's trying, and if he falls over, at least he falls over Daring Greatly, and that's quite an individualistic mm. quote. I've got mm. that quote on my wall. Gail gave it to me, actually, because right. I like it so much. But I, I love the quote, but it's individualistic. I don't want to be mm. in the man in the arena on my own Mm. with other people, daring mm. greatly, mm. trying to do things that are worthwhile. And what's the most worthwhile thing? Mm. Trying to build the kingdom, mm. you know. And, and I got a feeling that by joining, coming to C three and joining in, mm. that's what I could be part of. Mm. You know, with other people trying to do that together. Mm. Yeah. That that's to me what it was all about. Mm. So, for and Light, it's been. Um, it's been fantastic it's a place where we mm. can do that and therefore we thrive and we grow and we learn from other people mm. and that's just an amazing opportunity mm. well, well, thank you so
3: there's an area that you're kind of working on behind the scenes isn't it before c3 with c3 with the whole the champions club do you want to unpack that a little bit yeah
2: so Champions Club. so that that's something i, th- I think craig johnson came just mm. before lockdown didn't he was well, one, one of your right last before. things before lockdown yeah, well, yeah. pastor craig came over from the states and he was talking about how can you make church radically more inclusive for particularly with children with additional needs. And Mm. with my background, I really care about that. And I'm sure lots of people care Mm. about that. So we started a group and started getting Mm. a group together thinking this lockdown thing wouldn't last very (laughs) long. You know. (laughs) (laughs) But you know that and that but it just amazed me because I thought I'd like to do that. And then I thought, but do we have any expertise? And then Mm. there were so many other people on the team who actually have real expertise in this space. You know, I'm keen. We've got so many people in the church yeah. who actually in their day jobs have expertise in this who would love to do something in this space. Yeah. So we kind of we kind of did a few meetings during lockdown, but now as we're just starting to get back together, we're just mm. sort of going along and seeing what they're doing in youth, which is amazing, by the mm. way. So okay. big kudos to all the team who lead the youth here, okay. and we're just we're coming alongside them and thinking, you know, how can we mm. make this more inclusive so that even more children can belong here? Mm. That you mentioned, Steve, you know, belonging, joining. Mm. Yeah. We want everybody to be able to. Belong and feel accepted and welcome here. And I kind of, uh, you know, my image of C3 at its brilliant best is when the people who may otherwise feel they don't fit. And we mm. probably all have our internal story, mm. which isn't true about why we no. feel they yeah. don't fit. Yeah. But for other people, you know, there might be more visible reasons why they think they sure. don't fit. Mm. Yeah. And C3s are at its best when they're all welcome. Yeah. When they're all here, yeah, when they're man. all included. Yeah. Absolutely. And particularly for children. Yeah. If we can get that right for kids, I think it will just all boats float. Great. It will just Thank be true for everyone. everyone. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's something that um, hopefully we'll be able to do some more work yeah. around yeah. now mm. that we're... We'll well, th-
0: thank you for the way you lead, thank you for example, I mean I, we've always been struck as well with you and Gail, you have volunteered in mm-hmm. rigging, you've volunteered behind the scenes, you, you'll, you'll do anything mm. but there's some things you're particularly good at mm. and we're trying to make sure we get you involved in those things so thank you, well, thank um, you for, your, for your heart and servanthood. I think we're going to leave it there. I think that's time gone. Uh, We we could do this for a couple of hours, (laughs) and uh, we have done over a meal, but we couldn't do that here. (laughs) So God bless you, Tim. Thank you for your story. Don't forget for everyone that's listening, you've got a story, your story counts, and you should speak up and tell your story wherever you are. God bless you.
4: Wasn't that a fantastic message of vulnerability, of strength in that vulnerability, and just a great message for us all to hear? The experience that Tim has in so many different areas and the way that he brought Jesus into every single element of that, in the way that he he held himself in things, I think that we can take inspiration from that. We can all take inspiration from that. Right now, in a, we're in the point in our service that we want to facilitate every single week. In every single service that we have, it's important to us that we present some sort of opportunity to respond, to respond to the message of Jesus. And what better way than to respond off the back of what Tim shared there? That actually, the church, not just C3, but church, Christianity, even it's not just something that's for a select few but it is for everybody so we want to facilitate a moment right now where if you want to become a Christian for the first time or by a way of recommitment then I'm gonna pray a simple prayer in a few moments time and then I'll encourage you to respond you can do so by just saying yes in the chat and letting us know that you did that if you're watching online or in the room if you just pop up your hand in a few moments time then one of the team will spot you, then we've got a gift for you and we would love to be able to connect with you further. So I want to encourage you right now, let's all close our eyes and join in this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came down to earth, that you died on the cross, that you rose again and you defeated death today I choose to live in relationship with you. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. I want to make you the leader and Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if anyone prayed that prayer right now with every eye closed in the room, just let me know. And if you're watching online, do feel free to let us know. Just say yes in the chat. anyone feels that they want to respond but they don't want to do it right now in this moment then we would encourage you do let someone know because we want to celebrate with you we want to rejoice with you because the Bible says that when one person makes that commitment that there is a big old party going on in heaven so we want to have the opportunity to be able to stand with you and say yes this is a fantastic life-changing decision but right now we're going to go into a final song of worship And this is an exciting song. This is a song that has been written here in C3 that we're playing for the first time today. So as we play it, i would love you to sing along, but obviously we can't do that unless you're watching at home. But join in with it as, as, as any way you can. Stamp your feet, do whatever it is. But I'm going to hand on over to the worship team to lead us in response right now.